it wasn't too long ago that we worked with clients where they would have teams of people after a football game, for instance, they would sit down and have to watch hours and hours of content and put in markers when certain things happened, where there was an advertiser mentioned, for instance, you know, was it mentioned at three minutes in and, and what was mentioned and so forth. And so it could take days and hundreds of man hours essentially to create this metadata. Now this happens in near real time. Veritone presents Adventures in AI, the podcast that dives into the many ways artificial intelligence is shaping the future for the better. I'm your host, Kevin Ells, and today we'll be talking with Paul Kramer, Veritone's Managing Director of Broadcast Solutions, about how AI is solving many challenges for both broadcasters and their advertising partners, especially when it comes to marketing attribution. Paul, welcome. Thanks, Kevin. Really glad to be here. Thanks for having me on today. Excited to have you here, Paul. Let's go ahead and jump right in. Start with our first question. What is marketing attribution and why is it so important? Yeah, well, you know, I think it's good to start out by defining what is marketing attribution, right? So really, marketing attribution is looking at the cause and effect or the correlation, right, and, and the strength between two different variables. For instance, if I air an ad on the radio or TV, how many listeners or viewers respond to that ad? And, and the reason that's important is because John Wanamaker, the retail magnet, many years ago famously coined this phrase. He said, I know that half of my advertising budget works and half of it doesn't. The challenge is I don't know which half is working. That was over 100 years ago. And today, that's even more challenging because there's obviously more and more channels for marketers to reach consumers through. And so it's so important because, you know, budgets have shifted in the last 10 years from being spent to invested. And the key thing there is when you invest in something, you have to measure the return on that investment. And today, marketers and advertisers and agencies, they need to measure the return on their investment because there are so many channels they're spending money on to really see which channels are effectuating results um, the most. And with broadcast, you know, we've seen it's, it's so effective. It's a great reach medium. It's, it's highly efficient. But there's this stereotype that's partially true that metrics of success have been hard to measure in traditional broadcast media. In fact, you know, one of the uh, one of the groups I work with, they they surveyed, they have a big national sales team and they surveyed this team as to what type of questions do you frequently get from advertisers? And one of the most frequently asked questions advertisers had is how do I know my ad campaign is working? So again, this all comes back to attribution and why it's important. We've also seen in the last decade a shift to data-driven mediums, thanks to digital. You know, when you advertise in digital, whether it's social media or you're buying search engine marketing or display, you're getting tons and tons of data and it's highly measurable because each one of those consumers is discrete and they have a device ID or an IP or a cookie and we can track and see what they're doing. We don't have that luxury in broadcast media. And what's happened is we've seen a shift to performance-based uh, mediums, which has been even more accelerated during the pandemic, right? As budgets have been tight, folks are used to saying, I can only spend money on mediums I can measure. And so this is going to become even more important, I think, uh, going into the future, because as advertising does rebound for a lot of traditional broadcast companies, they need to be able to provide these metrics of success uh, for advertisers to be able to measure their campaigns. Excellent. So how is AI influencing marketing attribution? Well, it's, it's, uh, it's really helping enable it and empower it. In order for us to be able to model attribution, we need to be able to compare two data sets. So again, uh, maybe I'm comparing when an ad aired 
And when there was a increase in someone's website traffic, or there was an increase in new users to that advertiser's website. So I'm comparing those two data sets. In order to do that, I need some kind of structured data. And what's really been the challenge with audio and video content, it's, it's the last vestige of unstructured content out there. We've seen in some estimates that 80% of the world's content is unstructured because a lot of it is audio and video content. And so we need to be able to identify what is being said and seen in that content. And we use things like natural language processing to generate a transcript of what's said. Uh, we use logo identification, object detection. Uh, we can use optical character recognition to see what text is on the screen. You know, all of these tools to add structure and index that content. And once we do that, then we can compare that again from a cause and effectual relationship to see how that impacts, uh, you know, web traffic, for instance. If you think at what Google had done, right, for content, Google, I'm going to take everyone back down memory lane a little bit. If you, if you roll your clock back to the mid-90s, on the early days of the internet, um, the way you would find information on the internet is you might visit a billboard site or a directory. And these directory sites, you know, you'd click on car websites and five or six websites would come out and you say, oh, wow, look at this. I can go on this website to, to learn about car buying or whatever it is. Then came the web crawlers, right? And these were bots that started to index all of the HTML on the web. And once that was indexed, right, it, it created structured content out of that and then empowered a whole bunch of new use cases, not only for search and discovery, but now we had the ability to target advertising on those websites because we had metadata. We had the ability to uh, make recommendations, you know, and, and everything that's that's come out of that. And so that's really where AI is coming in today is it's doing that same thing for audio and video content because it would be impractical for humans to do all that because there's just far too much content. That makes complete sense. Beyond automating that identification of what's in the content, what other benefits does AI play in that marketing attribution? Yeah, well, I think really the AI helps us with speed and efficiency in generating this metadata so that we can complete these analyses. Um, it wasn't too long ago that we worked with clients where they would have teams of people after a football game, for instance, they would sit down and have to watch hours and hours of content and put in markers when certain things happened, where there was an advertiser mentioned, for instance, you know, was it mentioned at three minutes in and, and what was mentioned and so forth. And so it could take days and hundreds of man hours essentially to create this metadata. Now this happens in near real time. So right after the game airs, we know exactly when all of the integrations happened. So it really helps us with speed. The other thing that is happening, you know, in advertising is we're, we're seeing a lot more native advertising, a lot more organic advertising, right? And so all of that advertising is not scheduled into a traditional commercial stop set. It's happening within the content and the AI helps us find where that advertising happened and creates a timestamp. So again, we can compare that uh, ad impression to something that happened on the effectual side, which might be a website visit. But, you know, AI generally, it's it's automating processes. Uh, we make a comparison to a human in the loop when we think about processes. Traditionally, humans have had to be right in the center of the loop, doing all of the work for a process to function correctly. And what AI is doing is it's it's removing the contingency for humans to be in the loop for the process to function correctly. Now humans can move from in the loop to on the loop to oversee the process, but they're no longer required to be physically in the loop to execute the process. So in other words, the human is now able to analyze the information the process creates, but the AI is actually creating the core metadata which they're analyzing. 
A good example of this is uh, is automobiles. I, I love to use this example when we talk about processes and being in the loop, on the loop, and outside of the loop. You know, look at traditionally what has happened with driving a car. A human had to be right in the center of that loop operating the car. That's why we talk about distracted driving, right? Because you have to give your full attention to executing that process, which is driving the car defensively driving, pushing the gas, pushing the brakes, steering, all of those things. What's happening with technology and AI today is it's moving the human from in the loop to on the loop through things like autopilot in Tesla vehicles, right, where we have adaptive cruise control, which can speed up and brake based on uh, other vehicles on the road, uh, brake assist, uh, lane assist, all of these things are moving humans on the loop. And I think we all know where that's going is the human's eventually going to be outside the loop when the car can operate fully autonomously and we're sitting in the back seat doing something else. And so that's that's a great example of how AI is uh, moving humans uh, from in the loop to on the loop and then outside the loop. I'm a, I'm a fan of Formula One and the same would go for NASCAR, but I can't imagine having to log every time your logo is on the screen when you've got those cars flying by as fast as they're going and they're on the screen, off the screen, because the guy wants to know how often... If he's in first place, his logo is being shown versus the guy who's barely ever seen in the action. So I can't imagine how they'll even be able to scale that kind of logging of logos. Maybe a couple in a football game, but race cars? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, you know, and, and it doesn't scale and, and it makes it harder, I think, to make it a transactional business because, again, um, you know, you're looking at many alternatives on where to spend that sponsorship money. And I could spend what is often a seven figure sponsorship. Uh, for naming rights, presenting sponsorships, integrations like that, and not entirely know what I'm getting for it, or I could spend that money somewhere else where I'm going to be able to count every single impression. And that's where the AI really comes in because it's actually able to convert those sponsorships and integrations into impressions-based media that's going to be trackable and actually correlate to you know how many viewers were watching at that time the logo was on the screen and how long was it on the screen and then how uh, many folks visited the website or downloaded the app afterwards or, or whatever the attributable action is that we want to measure. So it's, it's really uh, fantastic what it's starting to enable. Those are great uh, examples of sample data advertisers are looking for. How do you see AI continuing the change in the future of marketing attribution? Well, I really, again, I think it's going to become uh, more about business intelligence and actually making recommendations so that the AI can uh, automate some of these campaign optimizations um, automatically. You know, we, we saw this a few years ago with email marketing on a very basic level where you could do an A-B test and try two different subject lines or two different pieces of copy. And uh, basically, the algorithm would start to send out a bunch of emails and see which one was getting a better response rate. And based on that, uh, after a certain sample size, it would then send the rest of the emails out using uh, the better performing subject line or, or better performing email copy. And, and the AI is going to start to do that as well and make those decisions automatically from an attribution and a campaign optimization standpoint. Um, you know, we just have a little ways to go to integrate into various platforms for that to happen. But I can see that happening uh, in the not too distant future. So almost the AI would choose which ads are better and then just start servicing those ads automatically for various mediums? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think there's there's so many variables um, within advertising. You know, you can look at uh, what's in the creative, what are the placements, uh, what uh, stations is it airing, you know, all of these different variables. And if, if we start to have the AI be able to look at really complex data sets and distill that information down, 
um, it's going to become better at humans at predicting how to optimize uh, the campaign, just like we're seeing in, in the fields of medicine, right? Right now, you could take huge corpuses of data in medicine that before uh, teams of scientists couldn't distill down efficiently enough, and the AI can recognize patterns in that data, right, and start to uh, speed up the uh, discoveries of, of uh, cures and medicines as we've seen and so forth. And, that, and that's going to extend into other industries such as advertising as well, too. Yeah, I could see the possibility about uh, the AI working where it's understanding what was said in radio, which worked better, and therefore changing the search engine marketing or pay-per-click ads that it's serving, cross-training each other. Well, this is excellent. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to share about what you see in the future, not just AI for marketing attribution, but AI in general that's exciting you today? Yeah, I, I do. I mean, I think one of the things that we're seeing today um, is just the data that can be generated from um, being able to use AI. And so, you know, right now we're able to look at certain things like uh, Lyft. Um, what kind of increases in web traffic are we driving to the advertiser's website based on an aperture of time from hearing or seeing an ad? Um, so this is really powerful. You know, maybe we're looking at what, how many folks responded within eight minutes, 10 minutes, 12 minutes of, of hearing or seeing an ad. Yep. Um, from there too, we're able to see how many new users are actually visiting um, the advertiser's website. So these are folks that have not visited that uh, website before. They're, they're net new being exposed to that brand and so forth. Uh, and then we're able to see what channels they're coming through. Are they directly going to the website? Is it organic search that's leading them there? They're opening up their browser and searching for the advertiser after they saw them or heard them on the air. And from all of that information, you know, we can start to, again, optimize the campaign, uh, look at two pieces of creative and see is, is one piece of creative uh, versus the other driving more traffic. Um, we can look at things like um, the live integrations or the live mentions versus the pre-recorded spots. Is one working the better? Um, is a 30-second spot or a 60-second spot driving more traffic? And so just having all of that data is really informing advertisers on how to better optimize their campaigns, but also sellers of, of audio and video to generate more results for their advertisers so they continue to come back and get value, which is really what um, is important and everybody wins. So I would think uh, John Wanamaker would be uh, quite impressed where, where we've come to this point today where I think we can guess which half is, is doing the, uh, the selling and which half of your advertising may not be working so well. And in that case, that half is going to be disappearing and the other one's going to be expanding. So uh, very exciting time for, for both advertisers and for the, the people who, who have the products to advertise. They can literally now see what's really working for them and make adjustments practically at real time now and not wait till the end of the season and go, well, that ad didn't work. We didn't sell much this year. Well, Paul, I appreciate you being on. I think we'll have you back soon because I know we have a, a number of great customer success stories that I think are worth sharing. So I hope you can join us again, uh, free up some time, and I look forward to talking with you. Um, any closing remarks you'd like to share with our, our listening audience? Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's exciting because we've really been on the bleeding edge of this for a while. And we've got a solution that's used uh, by almost 2000 stations in seven countries now. So we have a lot of uh, traditional radio and television broadcasters and networks we work with and so forth, but uh, super easy to use to web-based software as a service solution. Um, we've got the ability to identify again, what's inside of the content and correlate that with what's happening on the advertiser's website. And uh, we're, we're really proud in 2019, it was named uh, the 2019 product of the year at the NAB show. And we'd be more than happy to give you a little bit more information or you can learn more at veritonattribute.com. 
Excellent. I'd like to thank our audience today for listening in to Adventures in AI, the Veritone podcast. Join us again next time when we discuss more ways AI is changing the world and shaping the future for the better. Have a great day.